This is Oddballers, and I'm your host, Elizabeth Wires, and I am in search of the odd and bizarre. So join me as I embark on this journey onto the B-side of life to find the oddities in the world. From witch hunts to trending skincare routines, schizophrenic writers and blood-sucking demons turned sexy pop culture icons. This is Oddballers. Christmas. It's a time of giving and a time of cheer. A great festive holiday where trees are decorated with lights and wreaths are hung and chestnuts are roasting on an open fire. Christmas is the time of merry gentlemen, eggnog, and of course re-watching Christmas Vacation for the ten millionth time. It's about spending time with family and the birth of Jesus Christ, even though that happened in, like, March. But regardless, it's a religious holiday, it's a family holiday, and of course, it's a very commercialized holiday, especially with that big guy in red. Santa. Oh, good Saint Nicholas. Kris Kringle, Papa Noel, no matter what name you give him or wherever you're from, the legend of a man who builds toys and delivers them to children on Christmas Eve is a staple of the holiday legends. Some stories have the little elves or the reindeers that live in the North Pole like Tim Allen's Santa Claus movies or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Others show a more humble approach to the folklore of Santa Claus, with the holiday favorite Santa Claus coming to town. If you haven't seen that holiday classic, it's simply about a man who is wandering through the woods and comes across a town, a town in desperate need of some laugh and cheer, And of course, children in desperate need of some fun toys. So he takes it upon himself to make toys and deliver them to the children. Of course, hence becoming Kris Kringle. No matter what story of good Saint Nicholas that you enjoy during the winter time, the story of a large man squeezing down a small chimney to drop gifts for you and all of your good little friends, to all of the world is a story that many people resonate with and, of course, also pass on to their children. Of course, eventually realizing that the idea of Santa Claus is just that. It is a tactic for children to, you know, behave themselves. It's something parents use to let their children be excited about the holiday season and Honestly, I condone it, even though I was extremely upset when I first discovered this idea. Now, 
this idea of a large man squeezing down your chimney and sees you when you're sleeping and knows when you're awake, it's a bit godlike. It's weird. It's creepy to think that a human man is doing something that, of course, if you believe in God, is doing something that God should be doing. It's also creepy that he just knows when you're awake and watches you while you're sleeping. Anyways, we're not here to analyze Santa Claus because we have another story that we are going to look into. And of course, it is going to turn the world of Santa right on its hat. And it all starts in Germany and Austria, right in that Alpine region. Now, while good Kris Kringle was out putting smiles on faces of young children every Christmas morning and giving them small gifts, there is another story. There is someone else, a complete opposite, created as a counterpart to the kindly Saint Nick who was out delivering sweets and treats to the good. And while he was doing that, his counterpart was out dealing with the naughty kids. And I say dealing in that exact same way that you're probably assuming. He was dealing with them because his name runs through the woods. It shins shivers down your spine. And of course, it opens up a door to the fascinating world of the Pagans because his name was Krampus. My name is Elizabeth Wires, and this is Oddballers. Each year in early December, Austrian children get ready for St. Nicholas to visit them. That is, if you've been good, of course. They wait for presents and treats. And when I say early December, I don't mean December 24th, Christmas Eve, I mean, like, December 5th, very early December. And of course, again, if they've been good, they will be awakened to presents and treats. But if they've been bad, they'll get a whole lot more than just a lump of coal, Kleenex box, or pair of socks, or whatever your parents told you you were getting under the tree. No, they would have to face the wrath of Krampus. Who is Krampus? I think that is the biggest question. Or maybe not who, but what is Krampus? He is a half-man, half-goat, a horned anthropomorphic figure who comes around every year to chase naughty children, and of course maybe even drag them to hell. Now, all through European folklore, we see versions of St. Nicholas and Santa Claus. But we also see these other versions of St. Nicholas's counterparts, like Belsnickel and, I'm sorry, I'm going to completely butcher this name, but Nach Ruprecht. I think I butchered it, I'm so sorry. Anyways, these are the counterparts of St. Nicholas who duel out punishment rather than gifts. So instead of telling your kids, be nice and be good so Santa will give you gifts, will bring you a reward for being good, it's more of the, if you're not good, you will get a severe punishment 
So don't be naughty. And Krampus was just another one of those counterparts. And he's really the one that stands out. I think we hear a lot of Bell's nickel more than we do the other one. But Krampus is the one that stands out. And he comes from folklore in the Alpine region, which would be like the Alpine mountains. So Austria and Germany, those areas, maybe Switzerland. And, you know, these are the areas that have been frightened by Krampus for hundreds of years. And of course, adults have been amused by this as well for hundreds of years. But Krampus truly has its roots way back. It predates these Germanic entities of Krampus. And the roots take place with the pagans. Now, the pagans were mainly centralized, um, but they did spread a little bit of everywhere. And some think that Krampus's roots are actually going back to that he was a pagan god. And apparently this pagan god that is so-called Krampus now was once known as the Wild Man. Now I did quite a bit of research on the Wild Man and I'm going to tell you that there is little to nothing that's helpful in connecting the Wild Men to Krampus. There's also not a lot about the Wild Man. Every time I would search it, I kept getting the Green Man, which is a completely different topic that we will have to talk about one day because it's very interesting, but not what I was looking for. Now, the Wild Man has a few names. Wild Man, uh, Wild Man of the Woods, um, Wild Men, so lots of the same thing. And then it also had Woodswose. And apparently Woodswose is a mystical mythical figure that appears in the art and literature of the medieval Europe and they are said to be compared to a satyr or some sort of anthropomorphic figure and I didn't quite explain what anthropomorphic means and that is just that there are multiple parts from multiple different creatures that's the gist of it so a horned figure, a half goat, a satyr, um, all of these would be anthropomorphical figures. Also, Krampus would be as well. So the parallels between the wild man and Krampus are definitely there. The only difference is that it's more of a evolutionary thing getting from the wild man to Krampus, but it doesn't stop historians from thinking that the wild man is in fact the roots of Krampus. And we see the wild man appear in many other capacities in um, literature as well, especially during the medieval times. But uh, Woodwose actually occurs in Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, which is a Arthurian piece of literature about Camelot. And that is circa... 1390. So we're seeing the wild men in the 1300s around the pagans. And in ancient folklore, we see warnings of these horned beasts that are very anthropomorphic and they punish naughty children for 
squabbling with their families or families who lose their festive spirit. Hence again, we see the idea of Krampus. So we can see the similarities with these horned creatures and of course the wild men too. But understanding the pagans in its full capacity, I think, is definitely a topic for another time. But I just want to let you know that the origins of the, the pagan religion were very centralized in Europe, and they spread outward in most every direction. Um, and the Celts and the Gauls also had a very big part in this. And a couple of their famous gods, other than the wild men, are also the green man, pan some think that Circe was a pagan goddess so lots of different familiar names that we're we're seeing here in the pagans when christian traditions began in which saint nicholas visited their children to reward them on december 5th or 6th it was then added that around that same time his menacing partner would also visit kids to punish them and this day was known as Krampusnacht, or Krampus Night. So instead of a Christmas Eve, you have Krampusnacht. So if you were good, you hopefully got Santa. But if you were bad, you probably got Krampus. And Krampus might have also been seen running through the streets during what they called a Krampus Schlaf which literally means a Krampus run. So if a Krampus knocked is a way to scare kids into behaving themselves, the Krampus schlopf is a random moment of Krampus appearing and just tormenting children midsummer, early fall, whenever he felt like it, which would probably be an equally terrifying scene. And I would think would straighten them up for a little bit, a little bit longer. So in hearing this from some different sources that I researched, I do think that maybe Krampus doesn't quite enjoy torturing these children, but I think that if you're bad enough to not heed the warnings and you are still naughty, I think that he probably would enjoy, like, punishing you. Anyways, these tales, of course, enlist fear in the children of these areas, and in Germany and Austria, there is no doubt that children would have behaved out of fear that Krampus would come and take them. But what exactly did Krampus do? What would he do to you if he took you from your bed on Krampusnacht? What would he do? Well, here's what he would do. He would shove holly into your mouth. And you might not think that's such a terrible thing, but... Holly is incredibly sharp, and I, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure it's poisonous. So, you have that going for you. You also would have probably been chained up, and he would whip you with birch branches or willow branches. He was also said to carry around a satchel, and he would shove kids in there, sometimes drag them to hell, sometimes he would eat them for a midnight snack. No cookies and milk. For this guy it was children that's what he wanted to eat he's also said to have pursued women and it does not take a lot to assume that um and i did look in folklore to see if it was consensual or not because it is the 21st century and i would hope that we would not be still i don't know telling 
children this, but I would hope that it was consensual because it does say just pursue women. Um, and some of the postcards that we're going to get to in a little bit were more adult-like and would have images of actually women like punishing Krampus, which was kind of a twisted role of events. But I also couldn't find anything in the lore to say that it was consensual, but nothing to say that it wasn't. So I'm going to say that it probably wasn't because it's Krampus, but I'm going to hope that it was. Anyways, I'm going to step down from my soapbox and we're going to keep going. Now, in the 1890s in Europe, there were some postcards that were formed and these postcards were formed to showcase Krampus in all of his talents. They were not meant to be these warm and fuzzy postcards glorifying Krampus Knight. They were meant to be fear tactics that adults used to get their children to behave. Similarly to what we do with Santa Claus here in the United States, you give them a card with Santa on them and then they remember Santa and they want to behave. Um, in this case, it was, hey, here's a postcard of Krampus. You better behave or you're going to get it. So, you know, tomato, tomato. The images that were on these postcards that were all over in shops and stores throughout Europe and sent out to people in their homes, actually, said things that were, I guess, best compared to as a holiday greeting. Um, best wishes from Krampus. Season's greetings from Krampus. You can probably imagine all of the different things you could write on there, but regardless, it definitely was from Krampus. As if, you know, the children that were naughty needed a reminder of what they were going to get. So, they were essentially taunting the children of the neighborhood, letting them know that if they were naughty, Krampus was watching, and he would see you probably when you're sleeping, and he would also probably know when you're awake. The depictions of Krampus were very similar to the tales that were told back in the pagan times. He would have a large satchel and carry birch and willow twigs. He would have long horns similar to a goat, but he also looked very demonic. He had long horns, um, and many of the postcards showed Krampus actively going after children, chasing them down, chaining them up, putting him them in his satchel, and, you know, with chains still on them, beating them with these birch branches, and then shoving holly in their mouth, just doing terrible, absurd things to children, which I don't condone. This should not be done. But again, it's folklore. Krampus has been torturing children for hundreds of years, and at least parents have been threatening that Krampus would torture their children for hundreds of years. But the idea of Krampus is relatively new in America. Just in the last few decades, Krampus has really taken off, but the marketing here is a little bit different. Instead of this whole creature of pagan roots that's very different from Santa, this is not just a counterpart. 
the American depictions of Krampus are more or less just an evil Santa Claus. There is a movie from 2016, I believe, called Krampus, and it takes place in the home of a family on Christmas Eve. Um, And again, now, of course, we know the timeline of Krampus is not Christmas Eve. It is earlier in December, like December 5th is Krampus night. So the movie does get that wrong, but the movie depicts them being a very dysfunctional family, one that is filled with chaos and fear, betrayal, one that has just lost their festive spirit. Of course, we know from the name of the movie how it probably plays out. Again, this is an Americanized version of the idea of this pagan identity, and it shouldn't theoretically go after grown adults. It should just go after children. Um, So in that respect, the movie is also inaccurate. But regardless, it, you know, it's not a great movie, but it's a movie that you might want to add to your holiday plans. And it also does show that we have this really Americanized idea of these folklore creatures, and we commercialized off of it just like we have with every other Christmas idea. Christmas isn't meant to be scary. It's not meant to be terrifying. In fact, if you're a Christian, Christmas isn't even really about Santa or gifts or presents or anything. It's about the birth of Jesus Christ, which again, ironically, did not even happen until the spring. But regardless, it's celebrated on December 25th. Christmas is a time where we sing about how merry we are and we listen to Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker on repeat or perhaps we sing Christmas carols, bake sugar cookies, and watch Charlie Brown. It's a time where we spend time with our families and we reflect on the year. Again, it's not meant to be a horror movie, but somehow the pagans and the Germans and everyone in that alpine region somehow had a piece of folklore that just wouldn't let the winter season be 100% cheerful. And honestly, I'm grateful for that because I'm a sucker for horror movies and everything scary. But this time of year, it harbors other creatures of the dark as well such as Gryla, the Norse Witch of the North. She comes down from her mountainside once a year to collect children that may be orphaned or neglected, perhaps left behind, and she adds them to her small orphanage of what she calls Yule Lads. Now, surface level, you might think that Gryla is an incredibly nice woman, and I'm sure she has an incredible backstory, which she does. That's a story for another time. And, of course, her Yule Lads. They are as well, but I should mention, the name Lads might be deceiving. Don't let it trick you, because that's exactly what they are. Tricksters. And if they get into your home, who knows what tricks they might have up their sleeve. There is said to be about 14 of them in total, and they each have these small, shall I say, scam-like ways. Some will pull your hair, others will eat your food, 
Some will steal knickknacks from your shelves, but some can even keep you up all night long. They don't normally intend to harm you. However, they are tricky. And if you let them into your home, I suggest being nice to them. Because much like the Tommyknockers, as we discussed in a previous episode, they can sometimes be a little more than just tricky. But again, Ryla and her Yule lads, those are a story for another time. As for all of the other entities of the winter, things like Epiphany or the Winter Solstice, or even folklore surrounding the Yule Log or Santa Claus, from October 31st all the way through January 6th, you'll find an assortment of folklore to fit your holiday needs. Some are quite frightening, and others are just like jolly old Saint Nick flying his reindeer and listening to Rudolph. Regardless of what you believe in, and regardless of what you tell your children and what they believe in around Christmas time, whether it be Santa Claus or someone else, the idea of wanting to believe in something to make your holiday a little more exciting is something that we all can get behind, especially if that means your children behave on top of it. But no matter how far in the past you think that these chronicles of Krampus go, I have a secret to tell you. They're not actually that far back. They're far more recent than you might think. In fact, Today, if you were to go to Germany, you may run into a festival, a holiday festival of sorts, in which everyone goes to, one that is quite unlike any other festival that you might have seen here in America. And in fact, the festival, it doesn't play host to Santa Claus or his reindeer, and it doesn't play host to Frosty or any of the little characters in our commercialized Christmas. It really plays host to something much, much darker. Something that we've been discussing this entire time. These Germanic festivals, in fact, play host to this demonic, half-breed goat creature all the way from the pagans. It's a Krampus fest. My name is Elizabeth Wires, and this is Oddballers. Hi everyone, this is Elizabeth Wires from Oddballers. I just want to give a quick thank you to everyone who's been listening this entire season. This has been such an extraordinary experience, and I've very much loved creating this podcast. This will be our final episode of the season. So thank you so much if you've listened to it in full. This is it. This is a wrap on season one. Yay. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank everybody that was on my podcast this year. I want to thank Emma Buckman. I want to thank Abby Fouts. I want to thank Rachel Dietz, Liv Whistler, Skylar Cunningham. I want to thank Melissa Rothfuss, Carlene Coleman, I want to thank Genevieve, I want to thank everybody who is on the podcast, and also everybody that was working behind the scenes. This podcast took so much work to get up and running, and I am just so excited that it was 
such a success this year. We are definitely looking to have a season two. Hopefully I get the announcement out as soon as possible. And I just want to say happy holidays to everybody from Oddballers Podcast. And we hope to see you in the new year. Oddballers is a bi-weekly podcast hosted by Elizabeth Wires. This podcast will dive deep into popular culture and media to explore the weird truth behind any and all topics, odd and interesting, and try and understand why humans are so fascinated with the biggest trends, tales, and oddities of the world. Join me for a new topic every month to learn a little something odd about the world that we inhabit. This is Oddballers.